Do you have a business and want to learn the basics of trademark law? Tune in right now to the next On Air with Myrick O'Connell. Welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. If you have a business, you may be wondering if you should get a trademark. The short answer is yes, because trademarks are a relatively inexpensive way to save yourself from a more expensive legal fight in the future. Tatiana Tway joins us for this episode of On Air with Myrick O'Connell to talk about the basics of trademark law. Tatiana, welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. Thanks, Howard. Happy to be here. So the first question I would have is a pretty basic one. What is a trademark and what is it not? A, a trademark is really any word or name or phrase. It can also be a symbol or a picture that defines where a good or service originates from. So it can be anything that gives the audience or your customer a way of knowing that the services or the product originated with your business. And trademarks are intended to provide you the exclusive use of that name or symbol or whatever your trademark is in connection with your goods and services, which is an important distinction because people tend to think of trademarks as trying to get some sort of exclusive use over a word or a phrase, but that exclusivity is not without limits. It really is limited to the goods and the services that you are using your particular mark with. So knowing that anything can be a trademark, uh, it's important to register and protect your mark, both to prevent consumer confusion, as well as to protect your goodwill for your business. And some words are better suited to be trademarks than others. Is that true? Yeah. So when you're registering a mark, what you want to think about is the strength of your mark. And this is something you think about mostly with word marks, not necessarily the pictures or symbols that you might register. So there are very few words that can't possibly be trademarks, or there's very few things in general that can't possibly be trademarks. So one exception, you can't trademark the American flag, for example. The U.S. government has some rules surrounding that, and they're not going to let you use that exclusively. But otherwise, just about anything's fair game. But what you want to make sure is that you are not preventing people who have a legitimate use in using a term to advertise a product from being able to use that. So there's actually a continuum of strength for trademarks. At the low end of the continuum are words that are generic. So if you think if you're selling shoes, for example, you can't sell shoes under the trademark shoe because every manufacturer of the word shoe is going to need to use that word to describe what it is that they are selling. So, but that's not to say that you could never register the word shoe, and we'll get to that as we get along the continuum of distinctiveness. So after your generic marks that literally just tell you what it is that the product or service is, you have descriptive marks. And descriptive marks describe what your product and service are, but they don't do so in a way that would completely prevent any other competitor in your space from being able to use a vital term. So a good example of a descriptive mark would be American Airlines. You hear American Airlines, you know they're a plane service, they offer flights, and you know that they originate in America. And so the protection that accompanies American Airlines is not for the word airlines, which of course every major air carrier is gonna wanna use, it's for this term, American Airlines. 
So descriptive terms can be registered, but they have to have acquired secondary meaning or some sort of acquired distinctiveness. So that's on the lesser end of your spectrum of strength in marks and what you're looking for. When you start getting into some of the stronger marks, um, there are certain words and phrases that are going to give you more protection. So after your descriptive marks, you get to your suggestive marks. And these are marks where the words convey some sort of sense of the product or the services that you're offering, but it doesn't directly say it. So a good example there is copper tone sunscreen. You're using sunscreen or a tanning lotion because you want to get your skin a nice copper tone. So it suggests what the product is used for, but it's not as descriptive as say American Airlines. And then you start getting into the marks that are going to be a lot stronger than either your descriptive or your suggestive marks. And those are words that are arbitrary or fanciful. And I mentioned when I talked about the generic marks that you couldn't use the word shoe or you couldn't trademark the word shoe to sell shoes. You could, however, trademark the word shoe to sell pizza. And that's exactly what Apple, for example, has done. Apple is an arbitrary trademark. Uh, I mean, of course, you can go back to the story of Apple's founding, go back to Macintosh and draw some sort of connection. But when you think about Apple as a term, Apple is generic for the fruit that you eat. It's not generic for a computer. So that's actually a really strong mark for a computer because it's completely unrelated to the goods or services. And then the final category of marks, which again is a very strong one, are words that are fanciful. And those are words that you make up um, although a lot of times they do have their roots in other languages. But a strong example that's often used is Adidas. And while Adidas might have some Germanic roots, uh, it doesn't really have a significance in the English language outside of its connection with the shoes and the sporting apparel that Adidas sells. So when you're thinking about a mark, while it may be helpful to have something descriptive that tells your customers what your product or service is from a trademark standpoint, you're going to have a stronger mark and have an easier time of registering and protecting it if your mark is on the arbitrary or fanciful side. So when you're thinking, what should your business be if you haven't yet developed it? It's something that you wanna give some amount of thought to of on what side do you want to tell your customers from the name of your business exactly what you do or sell? And to what extent do you wanna protect your business and the goodwill that's associated with it? So, Tatiana, what are the basics of registering a trademark? So, one of the first things that's really helpful for people to start with is to conduct a search to see whether or not your proposed mark is in use by someone else. So, an easy way to do this is to go to the Trademark Electronic Search System, which is often called TESS. You can get there online. You can go to tmsearch.uspto.gov. And you can find a database that shows all of the registered trademarks. And what you do is you simply type the name of your intended trademark into the field and you see what comes up. So I think a lot of people have this question, Tatiana. What is a TM versus an R with a circle? I myself have wondered that for years. Absolutely. So a lot of businesses will use the TM mark when they're in the process of obtaining a trademark. 
you can use the TM mark without any sort of official registration. If you want to use the R with a circle around it, that's an indication that you have a registered trademark. So you're only allowed to use the circle with an R around it if your mark is indeed registered with the US Trademark Office. The circle with an R around it puts others within the industry and within this sphere of consumers on notice that you have a protected legal trademark. Interesting. Well, you've just solved a big mystery that, that I have held in my head for years and years, and I was too afraid to ask, but I just did. <laughs> so are there fees involved in filing for a registered trademark? Yes. So in addition to a fee, you might pay an attorney to get everything together for you and file. Trademarks do have a per class registration fee. Uh, the fee is $250 per class if you go through the trademark databases sort of pre-filed classes, and it's a $350 per class fee if you are going to write your own descriptions for the particular goods and services that are within the class. And now, Tatiana, you mentioned classes. Can you explain what classes are and what are the different categories? So trademarks are intended to be used with the specific goods or services that you sell or provide. So when you register your trademark, you need to inform the trademark office and eventually any consumer who might be looking up your mark what the goods and services you sell are. So if you think about a company like Nike, for example, that produces both sports equipment and clothing, those are two different classes of goods. So they could register their mark and say, we only want to protect the Nike logo as it pertains to our sweatshirts. Or they could file in two classes and say, we want to protect the Nike name and logo as it pertains to both sweatshirts and soccer balls. So in a case like that, you would actually have to have two different class registrations to put the trademark office and the world of those interested in your trademark on notice of what goods and services you are using the word or symbol in association with. And what happens if your trademark is rejected? So there's a lot of different reasons why your trademark might be rejected. Uh, one of the most common reasons is a determination that your mark is descriptive or perhaps the trademark office will say that your mark is generic, even though it's descriptive with secondary meaning. So what you can do then, if they determine that your mark is descriptive and you've been using it in commerce for more than five years, you can submit proof of use of your mark and you can make an argument that there is prima facie evidence that because of your use for five years, that your mark has acquired secondary distinctiveness. Now, there's other reasons why your mark might be rejected. Uh, for example, you can't register a mark that's already in use or likely to cause confusion with respect to the same goods or services that you provide. So you might get a mark that says, perhaps you want to advertise a company that's called Picture Perfect, for example, and your Picture Perfect is intended to be a printing business. And maybe another company uses the term picture perfect for a completely different use. Let's say they do it for event planning. And 
you could make an argument or have your attorney make an argument that even though you're using the same trademark as this other company that has a registration, that you're in completely different areas of goods and services, and therefore you should be entitled to registration. So there's many reasons why you might be rejected, but it doesn't necessarily mean that with some creative arguments or even not so creative arguments, just setting forward the facts, that you might actually be able to get your registered mark. Moving more deeply into this topic, which is to me really fascinating because you see trademarks everywhere. And sometimes you don't know what goes into the registering for them, the creation of them. What uh, should someone do or a company do if you receive a cease and desist letter? Or worst case scenario, you get served with an infringement complaint. Yeah. So when you get a cease and desist letter or you get an infringement complaint, you should certainly contact an attorney. And I recommend that because there are a lot of overzealous companies out there and a lot of overzealous attorneys who see you using a mark where, again, the words you might be using may in fact be very similar to the company seeking to enforce its rights. That said, there are also a lot of carve-outs within trademark law, which will give you some amount of rights to use the mark that you are currently using. And the first example of that is what I've stressed a little bit already in this discussion, which is that the marks really have to be tied to a good or service. And so, again, sometimes companies or attorneys will get a little overzealous. They see you using a very similar mark as the mark that they own, that their client owns, and they think this is trademark infringement. But if you're operating in two completely different spheres, if you are selling two completely different types of goods or services, the likelihood of confusion between a consumer as to your goods or services and those under the mark that they're alleging you infringe, there might not actually be any likelihood of confusion and there might not be any infringement. And then the other sort of caveat to that, not just on the whether or not there's likelihood of confusion, is you might have some amount of defenses. Um, for example, maybe you run a drop shipping business and you are legitimately selling the products produced by this other company that's claiming that you are infringing because you are putting their name on your website to delineate or designate the products that you actually sell. In that case, you have a right to use that mark because under the first sale doctrine, as a reseller who merely stocks and displays those items, you're permitted to use it. It tells consumers that they are legitimate goods from that other source. And of course, there's also, like there are in other intellectual property situations, there's fair use and there's other defenses that might allow you not only to avoid liability, but in many cases to still use your business or product name in the way that you've been using it. Tatiana, what happens if a company with the same name as your business comes along with the same goods or service and gets its business name trademarked? Do you have to change your business name? How does that work? It does sometimes happen that you've been doing business with a particular name 
and another company will come along and successfully get a trademark on that name. And the reason is that when the trademark examiners are looking at a trademark application, they're only comparing that mark against those marks which are registered as trademarks in the United States. If you don't have your mark trademarked, there's nothing that's going to stop a examining attorney from allowing another business to use that trademark. But that doesn't mean that you're necessarily out of luck. If you learn that another company has trademarked your mark, you should contact an attorney as soon as possible. And in this case, the timing really is important because if you challenge a trademark within five years of it being granted, you do have the possibility to get that mark canceled. And if you try to get it canceled, uh, one of the things you're going to have to do is show that you had priority in that mark, which means you were using it not only before they trademarked it, but before they started using it. But even if that's not the case, even if you're not in the position where you're able to get an attorney to try and cancel your mark, there are some other defenses to infringement that would allow you to continue to use your mark or which would at least give you some room to negotiate with the registered owner of that mark. So for example, there is a geographic limitation um, for those who have been using their mark before another business trademarks it. And what that means is that if you're doing business in Worcester, Massachusetts, and you have a name that is known in Worcester, Massachusetts, and some company in Oregon trademarks your business, and they get the right to use that name nationally. You might still retain the rights to use that in Worcester, Massachusetts, because you've had this geographically distinct use of this mark that has become known within your area. The problem, of course, is that you wouldn't be able to carry those rights into other jurisdictions. So if you expanded to Connecticut, per se, uh, for example, and you wanted to continue using that business name, you might be prevented from doing so by the fact that another Oregon company has now registered it. But it doesn't mean you have to close your business in Worcester, Massachusetts. Interesting. How does fair use come into play with trademarks? So fair use, like in other areas of intellectual property law, such as copyright, is an important factor. As I've mentioned, trademarks are not something that exists in a vacuum. They're not something that are necessarily divorceable from the goods and services with which they are associated, which means that the purpose of trademarks is not to prevent the public from using a word or a phrase. So you can still use just about any trademark in a way that's allowed. Let's say you want to compare your products to another product. You can do that as long as your comparisons are accurate if you want to say, for example, the generic brands of medications do this all the time, where they say, this is generic medication compared to Tylenol. And they can do that because it's a legitimate comparison and they can use the mark in that way. You can also use it, for example, if you want to do reports on a business, if you want to do some sort of educational programming on a business. And you can even use a trademark for your own financial gain in some capacity. So one of the big cases on this is a case where Louis Vuitton sued the maker of a dog toy. Uh, the company was Hot Diggity Dog and they made dog toys that were Chewy Vuitton and they were incredibly cute. They also parodied other 
luxury products. And Louis Vuitton got upset that this dog toy manufacturer was using its brand and its trademarks to sell dog toys. But no consumer was going to be confused between a high-end Louis Vuitton purse and a toy for your dog. <laughs> so it's not even that there's a, you can't possibly make money if you're using somebody else's trademark because you can. It's just a matter of whether you fall into one of those fair use exceptions, whether it be news reporting, whether it be comparison, or in the Louis Vuitton case, if it's parody. <laughs> That's a great story. So, Tatiana, as we reach the uh, conclusion of this podcast, we want to thank you for, for giving a really comprehensive overview of the basics of trademark law. It really answered a lot of questions I had, and I hope it answered a lot of questions that business owners or just folks that are interested and who are happen to be listening had. So what would you say is the bottom line takeaway from this? With respect to trademarks, I always recommend that if you have a business whose goodwill you want to protect, and who doesn't want to protect their goodwill, that you should work with an attorney. If you register your mark, you get nationwide rights to use it, assuming, of course, that your mark is accepted. And that's going to prevent you with a lot of trouble down the line. And if you get into hot water, consult an attorney too. There's a lot of ways where you can work with the owners of a mark, or if you have to fight it, there are a lot of ways that you can continue to operate your business and do what you're doing, either with only a few minor changes, or sometimes, when you're lucky, with absolutely no change at all. Tatiana Tway, we want to thank you so much for being here on, on air with Myra O'Connell today talking about the basics of trademark law. If folks are looking to contact you, if they have questions or comments about this area, how can they reach out to you? I always love hearing from people who want to talk about trademarks. If you have a problem or not, you can contact me. Uh, my name is Tatiana Tway. My email is ttway at myrickoconnell.com. So that's T and then another T and the word way at myrickoconnell.com. Or my phone number is 508-929-1661. Tatiana, thanks so much for being with us on On Air with Myrick O'Connell. Thank you. I'm Howard Kaplan. Thanks for joining us. Take care and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. Music.